Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Scott. New freedom writers are descending on Washington, D.C., even as the Reverend William Barber, joint coordinator of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, along with the Reverend Jesse Jackson and other religious leaders, were arrested doing civil disobedience. Their cause? The right to vote. On Tuesday, June 22nd, the Republican Party blocked opening debate on the For the People Act, a key voting rights bill put forward by Democrats. All members of the Republican Party in the Senate voted against opening debate on the bill, thus killing the legislation. Is there a way forward for those who support protecting voting rights? What next steps will the movement for the right to vote take next? Our guest is Barbara Arnwine, longtime and award-winning voting rights campaigner. And excitement across the country builds as millions of families across the United States will start receiving monthly child tax credit payments um, for as high as $300 a child if your child is under six years old, $250 a month if your child is between six and 17 years old. That is per child. The payments are also available for those whose income uh, generally are too low to pay taxes. Many are hailing this as breakthrough legislation attacking children's poverty on the level not seen since the New Deal. But it is not yet permanent and members of Congress are working on legislation to ensure that the child tax credit continues beyond its one-year mandate as part of the Biden-Harris American Rescue Plan. We will hear a presentation Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, Democrat of Connecticut, gave to a broad swath of income rights campaigners who are supporting the child tax credit. And for our weekly Earth Watch, we speak with John Davidson, Senior Food and Agriculture Campaigner at Friends of the Earth. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio... I'm Eileen Alfandari. A wing of a 12-story beachfront apartment collapsed overnight in a town outside Miami. The collapse killed at least one person and trapped an unknown number in rubble and twisted metal. Scores of rescuers pulled survivors from the debris early this morning as a cloud of dust floated through the neighborhood. Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett warned that the building manager told him the tower was quite full and the death toll was likely to rise. The problem is the building has literally pancaked. It has gone down, and I mean, there's, there's just feet in between stories where there were 10 feet. Uh, that is, uh, is heartbreaking because it doesn't mean to me that we're going to be successful, as successful as we would want to be to find people alive. 
Authorities didn't say what may have caused the collapse. A bipartisan group of senators will meet with President Biden this morning on their $1.2 trillion infrastructure proposal. Biden invited members of the group of 21 Republican and Democratic senators to the White House. The proposal is dramatically smaller than Biden's more sweeping $4 trillion plan, but both the White House and Democratic leaders have cast the bipartisan approach as a positive development. They apparently plan a two-track approach, an initial vote on the bipartisan proposal. Then Democrats would attempt to use the budget reconciliation process to win support for the more ambitious set of infrastructure projects Biden has proposed. Reconciliation would require a simple majority vote in the Senate avoiding the roadblock of a filibuster by Republicans. Activists with the Poor People's Campaign were arrested in Washington, D.C. for blocking traffic outside the Hart Senate building in protest of the Republican blockade of the landmark voting rights bill, the For the People Act. The Reverend William Barber spoke before the action. Their refusal, this refusal to even debate voting rights protections has exposed every citizen Republican as a liar. That they lied when they put their hands on that Constitution. They stood before God and their constituents and swore to uphold the Constitution. But they have embraced the state's rights argument against federal voting rights protections. Activists blocked traffic after trying unsuccessfully to meet with Senate Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin. A First Nation in southern Saskatchewan, Canada, says it has made the horrific and shocking discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at the site of another former residential school for indigenous children. A statement from the Cowis First Nation and the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous First Nations said the number of unmarked graves will be the most significantly substantial to date in Canada. Last month, the remains of 215 children, some as young as three years old, were found buried on the site of what was once Canada's largest indigenous residential school in British Columbia. From the 19th century until the 1970s, more than 150,000 First Nations children were forced to attend state-funded Catholic schools as part of a program to assimilate them into Canadian society. They were forced to convert to Christianity and not allowed to speak their native languages. Many were physically, sexually, and verbally abused. Up to 6,000 are said to have died. The United States voted against a United Nations resolution that overwhelmingly condemned the continued U.S. economic embargo of Cuba. The Biden administration failed to return to the Obama administration's 2016 abstention on the question. The vote in the General Assembly was 184 countries supporting the condemnation, the U.S. and Israel opposing it. Three countries abstained. Cuba's foreign minister accused the Biden administration of following Trump administration policies that tightened economic, commercial and financial sanctions and restricted travel by U.S. citizens and a blow to Cuba's tourism sector. San Francisco has become the first jurisdiction in California and perhaps the nation to say it will require its workers to be vaccinated as a condition of continued employment. The requirement for the 35,000 city workers will take effect once COVID-19 vaccines receive full approval from the Food and Drug Administration rather than the emergency use authorization vaccines currently have. 
the San Francisco Chronicle reports workers will have 10 weeks to comply after the FDA approval or risk losing their jobs. I'm Eileen Alfandari for Pacifica Radio. And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. On Tuesday, June 22nd, the Republican Party blocked allowing debate on a key voting rights bill aimed at what some are calling the worst attacks on voting rights since the days of segregation and Jim Crow. With a 50-50 vote, the push to defend voter rights fell far short of the 60 votes needed to avoid a filibuster. All GOP members opposed uh, opening debate on the voting rights uh, legislation. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who is spearheading efforts by President Joe Biden's administration to improve voting rights, she presided over the vote. After the vote, she told reporters, quote, the fight is not over. Uh, President Biden on Tuesday urged Congress to send the bill to his desk for signature. Senator Chuck Schumer, a Democrat of New York and the Senate Majority Leader, said, quote, the vote was the starting gun, not the finish line. End of quote. We'll see what that means. Uh, The bill, known as the For the People Act, or S-1, is a groundbreaking measure designed to protect voting rights that are under attack from the GOP in several states. Along with changes to ethics rules and campaign finance laws, it would create a national baseline of voting rights, such as mandating automatic and same-day voter registration, no-excuse mail-in voting, and early voting. The act was originally introduced by Democrats on January 3, 2019. The other federal bill under consideration in Congress is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, or H.R. 4, which intends to reinstate a provision in the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that requires states to receive federal preclearance to change voting rules. This is a provision that the Supreme Court struck down in 2013. Although the provision was part of a 25-year extension of the Voting Rights Act that was supported by all senators who voted in 2006, this time it failed to receive any Republican support beyond Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Before we welcome our guests, let's go to a couple of clips setting the stage here for uh, the movement response because the Poor People's Campaign, uh, labor unions, and many others have been um, certainly very, very active in their opposition and indeed Unite H-E-R-E Local 11 Case Action, Black Voters Matter and other community allies. They launch a freedom ride to urge the Senate to pass the For the People Act and they plan on descending on Washington DC on June 26th. But action has already begun as you heard in our news headlines, uh, the Reverend William Barber, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson and others were arrested uh, yesterday um, for the cause of voting rights. Let us hear what uh, from the Reverend uh, William J. Barber II. He's also, by the way, Bishop William J. Barber, joint coordinator of the Poor People's Campaign.
we have the moral contractor's license to reconstruct the nation. And that's why we're gathered here. That's why we're gathered all over the nation. It's why we're launching 365 days of mobilizing and organizing. It's why we're building power among poor and low-wealth voters. It's time, it's past time to go to work. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to go to work. We've got work to do. We're not violent, we're willing to take our penalty, and we're saying across this country, it's time for people poor, especially poor and low-wealth people, and religious and moral leaders to march on these Senate offices, come here to go and march, non-violence. Jeff Reverend Jackson said, we don't have to be an insurrection because we are a mobilization and a resurrection, but we have to. Nothing is more important than these voting rights, nothing is more important than raising the living wage, nothing is more important than our people's health care, nothing is more important than the restoration of the Voting Rights Act. Raising these three things, stop this filibuster. Pass the bill as it is, it doesn't need compromise, it needs courage and restore the Voting Rights Act. Can I have your attention please? Cease and desist or you will be arrested. And well, Reverend Barber, Reverend Jesse Jackson and others were. I would now like to welcome our guest, a woman who has been part of this movement uh, for decades, Barbara Arnwine, veteran, civil rights and human rights leader and advocate, currently the president and founder of the Transformative Justice Coalition. For 26 years, she was the executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. She has achieved international renown for her work on the 1991 Civil Rights Act, a creation of the 2011 voter suppression uh, map of shame, and so much more. Barbara Arnwine, welcome back. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for covering it, uh, for everyone to know that yesterday we were out in front of the Supreme Court. We marched over to the Hart Building, and yes, we took to the streets and we blocked the entire block um, and for hours uh, and made sure that people knew that we were there and that all those senators, all their staffers, everybody was aware that we're demanding passage of the For the People Act. This is not something that's discretionary. It's not something that may happen at some point. We're demanding it and we want it now. So, yes, I was arrested yesterday along with... Oh, were you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's a picture of it at my Twitter, uh, my arrest, uh, you know, at Barb73. I'm on Twitter at Barb73, and there's a picture of the arrest um, because I was the last person they arrested. They left me out there in the street by myself, standing and hollering with everybody, (laughs) with all the marshals. And, uh, and finally, I guess they said, "Go, somebody, please go arrest her." <laughs> okay. So, 
yes. quite a lively crowd. I mean, you, you could barely hear Reverend Barber in that, that clip I, I played. And of course, oh, the media, they're talking about the religious leaders who were arrested, but, you know, not mentioning the likes of a Barbara Arnwine, who was, who was also there. And Barbara, you have been on the road quite a bit. I mean, we know that there yeah. is this uh, Freedom Riders um, yeah. with some uh, uh, local unions, et cetera, that uh, started out here in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and they're planning on descending on Washington, D.C. I think this June 26th was the last that I heard. And so yeah. I understand that there's also some other activity planned for the 26th yeah. on that date. Barbara, what's what's coming up? Well, I can tell people that uh, Latasha Brown and I just spoke this morning, and we are very close. Latasha Brown is the inspired, uh, one of the co-leaders of Bo uh, Black Voters Matter, and she's an incredible force, and they are on the road right now heading to Charleston, West Virginia. They're going to the Belly of the Beast. They're going straight to Joe Manson's territory, and they are demanding that he represents the people of the state of West Virginia. And polling shows 79% of all registered voters support the For the People Act. And Joe Manson needs to do better. His compromise is not enough. It needs to change. It needs to be improved. But I also want people to know that on June 25th at 7 o'clock, on Friday night, uh, Black Voters Matter will arrive here, and we will hold a vigil uh, in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. And I will be one of the speakers. The next day, on Saturday, the 26th, at 12 o'clock, here in Washington, D.C., on the National Mall, at 3rd Street and Pennsylvania Avenue, we will be holding a massive rally uh, and, um, and March, and we will be saying to the Congress again, we want the For the People Act passed. And we don't stop there. You know, we want people to join us in D.C. on Saturday at 12 o'clock at 3rd and Pennsylvania Avenue. And we want to make our voices heard. But we also, in the states, for the entire time, of the recess, because Congress goes on recess from the 28th until the 12th, and they return. Uh, and we're saying to everybody, everywhere you are, that we want you to put the heat on your senators, every single one of them, Democrat, Republican, voted for, voted against, we want you to put heat on them and tell them that there is no rest no justice until the For the People Act is passed, until the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act is passed, until D.C. Emissions Act is passed. We want that pressure. We call it the heat. Yes, we're going to bring the heat for the next couple of, of weeks. There will be no peace. There's no vacation. No, we're just going to go back to our district and cool, chill out. No, we're going to put the heat on them. And on the July 7th, uh, I'm sorry, on July the 10th, we're going to have a nationwide coordinated uh, action, mobilization all over the country. So if people are saying, wow, 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 you want more information, you go to votingrightsalliance.org and you also go to uh, the poorpeoplescampaign.org uh, and you will find information 
on uh, these actions everywhere because we're serious. Deadline for democracy is what we're calling it because we are on a deadline. It's got to be done this year. We cannot sit around and wait and allow them to destroy people's votes. It's criminal what's happening, the destruction of the vote all over the country through this voter suppression that you've been hearing about people. Can you imagine 400 voter suppression bills pending in the United States, 22 passed, uh, doing damage to millions of voters? We can't allow that to happen in our country. Our democracy is on a deadline, so follow us, follow indivisible. Follow public citizen. Follow DFAT, the, uh, the, the Declaration for America, democracy. But follow the Poor People's Campaign. Follow Rainbow Push and follow the vote, uh, the TJC, the Transformative Justice Coalition, and the Voting Rights Alliance. We are serious. We're not sitting back. We're not taking this for one minute. Right. And, and Barbara Arnwine, I mean, listening to you, I mean, you have for decades, you know, this issue was so close to your heart. You've really yeah. worked um, so hard for this. But for some of our younger listeners who are saying, well, uh, kind of, you know, what's the big deal about all of this? And, and perhaps not, uh, you know, having that historic memory of the civil rights era. And, and you know, I can't help but think of Fannie Lou Hamer. Um, Barbara, yes. and, 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 and listening to her describe the beating that she got just by registering people to vote, and also being the co-founder and vice chair of the Freedom Democratic Party at the 1964 Democratic National Convention, and, you know, where they challenged the Democratic Party, actually, and also Mississippi's Freedom Summer um, she worked on, along with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. So, uh, Barbara, it seems as though a lot of that we are reliving and having to do now. So many decades uh, since 1964, yeah. so many decades since Fannie Lou was, was killed, since um, uh, Cheney, uh, Goodman, and Schwerner were killed um, of, uh, along for the same cause, the right to vote. Barbara Arnwine, um, your thoughts on, on this? Because it, it does seem like a critical, critical moment we're in right now. Oh, absolutely. And this is, like you said, the 58th anniversary of the slaying of Goodman, Cheney, and Swinner. Uh, and one thing I loved about yesterday, you heard all that noise? Mm -hmm. Old people can't make all that noise. Those are young people out there. I was so surprised I looked up and I saw 12-year-olds, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 young people helped to build that crowd yesterday. And they were on fire. They were, uh, they were chanting because they understand the connection between voting, the George Floyd slaying, the fight for police reform, the fight for health care, the fight for jobs. They get it. And they were on it yesterday, and I was so proud of them because I said, look at this new generation rising up. Because we got to remember, the reason why I stay so inspired is not just because of all the amazing ancestors, but specifically I'm inspired by John Lewis. I believe in getting into good trouble. I believe that's the only way we make positive change, that we got to get into good trouble, necessary trouble. And remember, he spent 50 years of his life defending and fighting for voting rights. If he can spend 50 years of his life, I know I can. I know I can do it with every living breath that I have. And so it's important, folks. Democracy is not free. 
uh, freedom is not free. We got to fight for it every day. Don't ever get discouraged and say, oh, well, you know, things are going backwards. They go backwards because we allow them to. We are the difference. We are the change agents. We are the people who can demand justice. That's why I'm so happy we're about to leave uh, this hotel and go meet with um, Senate Majority Leader Schumer to talk about this very issue right now. I'm about to leave this building with Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, and we're about to meet with the Majority Leader, and we're going to talk about what needs to happen in the coming weeks because we are determined to pass this legislation right and 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 we won't don't want to make you late for that uh so before you have to dash uh barbara arnwine what about this criticism uh coming from the left or what is called the left by mainstream media in the democratic uh party of biden the biden harris team that they have not done enough uh to put this uh, legislation uh forward and then there is the mansion uh, compromise that you say is not enough. Um, so right. what options do you think there are now on the legislative front, clearly on the movement front, y'all on the move and making, making your voices heard. Uh, but just on the legislative point, you're about to meet with uh, Schumer. What will be your message to him? That he has to put every bit of pressure on every single member of the caucus and every person to make sure that this legislation is uh, passed and that it's strong, that we are not going to take some weak measure, that we are demanding, we're demanding a strong and beautiful uh, bill that will be worthy of the moment, that will stop this voter suppression, that will set up these uh, national standards, that will make it possible for all Americans to vote without being their voter, their vote being suppressed. So yes, we're going to demand strong legislation, no weak compromise, and we're looking for you know uh, every bit of pressure to be brought to bear to make sure that this legislation is passed. Do you think there's much uh, to this criticism about the Harris-Biden team and how much they have done or how much they have not done? Or do you really think this is a job that the movement on the street has to do right now, Barbara Arnwine? Final well, thoughts. I, I, think, I think that there's more that could be done, and we're going to talk about that because I do believe that they got to make this a priority. They shouldn't say anything without talking about the voting rights. We must have a strong, focused, and determined, uh, you know, fight for voting rights. Right. Well, on that note, Barbara Arnwine, we're going to post a lot of what you uh, said, resources on the Sojourner Truth yes. Um, yes. website. And yes. thank, thank you so you. much. We're going to continue to stay in touch with you as we stay on top of <laughs> what's happening on the movement side of this fight. Barbara Arnwine, thank you for your thank work. You. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for joining so us. All righty. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to take a station break. And coming up, well, millions of families across the United States are going to start getting cash. You heard me, a check right from the U.S. government beginning 
the 15th of July. That is if you've got children 17 years and younger. Uh, coming up, you're going to hear a presentation Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro gave yesterday to a group of uh, non-governmental organizations of campaigners, grassroots campaigners, about the child tax credit that impacts you. So don't go away. And also, what is this Climate Solutions Act that even some in big agriculture seem to be supporting? What's that about? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Street radio for unsung hero. Riding in the Rigo, trying to stay legal. My daughter found Nemo. I found a new primo. Yeah, you know how we do. We do it for the people and the struggle of the brothers and the folks. The lovers of the dope. Experiments to discover hope. Scuffle for notes. The rougher I wrote, times was harder. Went from rock starter to the voice of a martyr. Why white folk focus on dogs and yoga? My people on the low and trying to ball and get over. Lyrics are like liquor for the fallen soldier. From the bounce to the house. It's all our culture. Every day we hustle it. Trying to get them customers. Law we ain't trusting them. Thick bras we lusting them. Alrighty, and that is The People by Common. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Check out our website at sochuradio.org, where we have a community calendar and a lot more. Uh, if you're a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us on Facebook. Our handle on Instagram and Twitter at sochuradio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. And in the United States, we'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Lawton, Oklahoma, in Lawton, Oklahoma. And internationally, we'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Puerto Rico. Well, that's not really international because Puerto Rico, of course, is part of the United States, but we're really delighted. Uh, to have listeners also on that great island nation. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. And now we're going to turn our attention to some good news for a change for families across the United States. Checks coming in from the U.S. Uh, Treasury Department as part of the American Rescue Plan put forward by the Harris-Biden administration, this after years and years of campaigning by grassroots campaigners and also within Congress itself, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, who has been a Democrat of Connecticut, the third congressional district, she has championed this uh, for the last 18 years. We also want to have to mention uh, Senator Bennett on the Senate side out of Colorado, who's been working on this issue as well. Uh, Congresswoman Gwen Moore so many others who are very concerned about the poverty of children and of course many of us who are moms I was a single mom for a long time I know I haven't heard of any rich mothers and poor children right so um, we have to deal we want to deal with poverty of children we really have to deal with the poverty of their main caregivers uh, often uh, the mom but increasingly a grandma or an auntie uh, so what we want to do now and let me just tell you a little bit about the child tax credit because not enough people know about it uh, if you have already filed your taxes for 2019 uh, 2020 you really don't have to do anything You're, you you uh, will get your check and by the way if you're on other benefits if you're on welfare or food stamps or uh, housing subsidy none of your other benefits are supposed to be cut because you're getting the child tax credit. And if that does happen, for some reason, you have the right to really uh, challenge
challenge it. So contact your local uh, legal aid or women's rights organization to get some uh, help uh, with that. And uh, also, right now, it is uh, limited in, in span. So Congresswoman uh, DeLauro and many others are now working on legislation to make the child tax credit permanent. But again, if you, if you have a child that is six years and under, that's $300 a month per child. If your child is between six and 17, that is $250 per month per child and it's almost universal it's just that as your income goes up the amount that you will receive um, goes down a bit so what I'd like to do now uh, the cash war room they hosted a teach-in yesterday featuring Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro and uh, again she is from Connecticut's third congressional district with stretches from the Long Island Sound and New Haven And she serves as the chair of the House Appropriations Committee, and she sits on the Democratic Steering and Policy Committee. She is also the chair of the Labor, Health, and Human Services and Education Appropriations Subcommittee, where she oversees uh, the nation's investments in education, health, and employment. Let's go now to hear what Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro had to say. We want to thank the organizers of the event and Congresswoman DeLauro's office for giving us permission to share this sound with you now. Really extraordinary partners all, all of you are, are in this fight for the child tax credit. And, and I've been honored to fight by your side to implement the gains that we made uh, that were passed in the American Rescue Plan, which I believe, and I hope you all do, I believe it to be uh, a historic change that is a lifeline to the middle class and it cuts child poverty. Uh, Now we are fighting, and I want to enlist your help uh, to be able to make it permanent. We need to make it permanent. Uh, Of course, let me say thank you to the countless advocates, the local groups and communities across the country who have been uh, uh, anchoring the press conferences, telling their stories about what the child tax credit means to them and to their families. One of the most powerful tools is listening to the families and how this of the child tax impacts and affects their lives. So people need to be heard. Uh, and I know that together with your help, we're gonna get this done and we're gonna make this transformative policy permanent. Um, there's so much activity around the child tax credit. You know, we did it, it's child tax credit awareness day, uh, an awareness week and it's under uh, underway. Um, and, and so it's really, you know, you mentioned, Adam, uh, I've been working on this. I've been working on this since 2003. Uh, so it's 18 years. And I can't tell you how excited I am that we are at this juncture. Uh, <clears throat> we had over 200 members, 200 members who participated and are continuing to participate this week um, uh, with the um, uh, this, this awareness day. All kinds of wonderful, wonderful events. Uh, and, and, and again, the most powerful are those that tell the stories of families uh, in, this, uh, in, in, in this area. So uh, I'm excited uh, to see the stories and the news articles. Uh, and they're coming from across the country. Uh, uh, so this is a moment. And you know what I, I would just say is, you, you know, 
you have to seize moments when they come. And what is exciting to me is that the moment found us and we're ready. We are ready to move on this. So, uh, and, and, you know, uh, um, it, it, I, but I, I also would just tell you that the inclusion in the rescue plan, this first step, and by the way, the uh, uh, payments, uh, the checks start in July, July 15th. So it's, you, you, you know federal programs the way I do. Oftentimes you pass something and then God only knows when the money is out the door. We are going on July 15th. And so families will begin to receive these checks. Uh, you know it cuts poverty by 55%. And the, the genius, I think, and the beauty of this is that it is middle-class families, working families, and vulnerable families that are interconnected on this. Uh, and I think it makes a difference because 90% of our kids are the beneficiary of, 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 of the child tax credit. Um, and that's about, what, what does it help pay for? <laughs> Food, childcare, diapers, healthcare, clothing, taxes, you, you know, uh, 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 and the, the, the sense that families can feel more secure, better able to deal with an, an expense that comes up uh, and, and these ex or the expenses that face them weekly or monthly. Uh, uh, so, but, you know, again, in terms of the permanence, it's not good enough to say we're there and maybe there's an extension for two or three years. No, this has got to be the the, the, this has got to be long after the pandemic uh, ends. And that's why we're both fighting uh, for permanence. Uh, the president is in negotiations, as you probably have read, with Republicans on the next package in terms of a top line number. Uh, we don't seem to have any public agreement yet. Um, so we may have to go the reconciliation route. Uh, uh, so and um, and we'll see about what kind of unanimous uh, uh, Democratic backing we can get in the Senate. That is the current state of play, uh, so that we're watching very, very closely on where the path forward is. Uh, but again, I ask for your help. Um, and I, I just want to mention, for your information, for low-income families that have not filed an income tax return, what the IRS has done is launched an online portal to sign up for the child tax credit. Anything that all of you can do to help these families get signed up would be so deeply appreciated. Also, if a child is born this year, a separate portal is going to be launched very soon to make updates to your family situation. Um, and this is, you know, if you previously filed your taxes. For eligible families who already filed or plan to file, for 2019 or 2020, their income tax returns. Don't use this tool. You are, you are going to get the checks. That is, you, you know, you are, it, it, it's like the, the economic payments that went out uh, during the, um, uh, the relief packages. Um, so once the IRS processes 2019 to 2020 tax returns, the information will be used to determine eligibility and they will issue the advanced payments. Families who want to claim other tax benefits, such as the earned income tax credit uh, for low and moderate income families, uh, they shouldn't use childtaxcredit.gov uh, as a tool. They should file their regular tax 
uh, return. And the fastest and easiest way to file this return is the free file system available at irs.gov. So new dawn today, real opportunity, not just to throw money at a problem or put a Band-Aid on a problem, but to build that architecture for the future. Use this moment to be able to lift all children and families so that every person, no matter their background, has the opportunity to contribute and the opportunity to succeed. Let's get the word out. Let's get people signed up so that they can receive the benefit that is owed to them. I came from a a family that uh, struggled financially, uh, really, all of their lives. My my folks did. They were very, very hardworking people. Uh, My mom worked in the old sweatshops in the city of New Haven as a garment worker. My dad was an insurance salesman. Um, But I can recall, I was maybe around age 10 years old, and um, came home one Friday night, and, and, and all of our furniture was on the street. We had been evicted. And we went to live with my grandmother until we could get back on our feet. Now, my story is multiplied millions and millions of times by people who fall on tough times, not because they're not working as hard as they can, uh, but because uh, there are difficult circumstances and challenges, um, and they need to get back on their feet. And so, uh, uh, you know, so that my entire, you know, childhood and growing up and the issues that were important to my family, both of my parents uh, wound up serving on the city council in New Haven at different times. And uh, for, for them, it was about how do you help people to succeed? How do you give people a better chance at a better life? Uh, you know, with helping them with unemployment, with social security, with immigration issues, et cetera. So I grew up in an atmosphere where what can you do and how does the government help you do what you need to do? How do you utilize and deal with the social safety net? I also had the opportunity to write a book uh, several years ago and I looked at the foundation of the social safety net and there were, these were not naive legislators, both Democrats and Republicans, where they understood that there were challenges that we face, people face in their lives, and how could government play a role? So that has been the work that I have been able to do uh, as a member of Congress. It's the area that I have charted out for myself as to be able to look at government and how government can help to make a difference in people's lives. Um, and uh, uh, so uh, uh, th- that's how I, I, I've come to this, and and uh, and I've been working on the child tax credit since 2003. Uh, so, uh, yeah. and where I introduced the the first amendment in a budget committee, we were not in the majority. We lost, but that began the legislative journey. We had a session this morning in our Democratic caucus. Um, one of the things I did was to uh, get it's a group that's called Co-Equal, uh, with, it's headed up by former members, uh, staff members of the House who worked for Henry Waxman, uh, and they crunched numbers. So what I did was I asked them if they could find out from me how many children in every congressional district uh, uh, would be lifted out of poverty, okay? And so they gave me that information. I distributed that to every single member. And now what members are doing is standing up in press conferences, at town halls, in roundtables, in all kinds of venues, talking about what happens in their district. Uh, and uh, uh, so that uh, th- the power of that, of when, on average, it's about 146,000 kids per district who will be lifted out of poverty. That is very powerful. 
when you can stand up and talk about that. And as I said, one of the pieces that is really incredibly strong in trying to tell this story is that it affects middle-class families, working families, the most vulnerable, the poor, so that no one is left out. 90% of kids will receive the same amount of money. So very much like that mirrors social security. So you got buy-in with with regard to that. And then when you take a look at some of the statistics, um, uh, it lives lives with Native American kids, um, almost 70% of Native American kids out of poverty. It lives African American kids, it's over 52%. Hispanic kids, almost 50%. White children, 48%. Asian uh, uh, Pacific Islander kids, you know, in, in, the, in the 40% range. So, again, these are powerful, powerful statistics. And it is based on data. We're just not freelancing here. Not freelancing. So, that's, uh, 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 those are the powerful pieces uh, that will make a difference. I'll give you one more. Again, not my numbers. The Columbia School of uh, Columbia University School of Social Work, etc., which did a lot of work on this and the data. For every dollar that you spend on children in this program, you save eight dollars. It costs us a trillion dollars a year for child poverty. So this is a cost saver in terms of explaining that to people as well. I had the opportunity several months ago to, to be before the, the American Rescue Plan. Uh, uh, we, we were in the uh, Oval Office with the president and the vice president. And it was all the chairs of the subcommittees. And I spoke about appropriations, but then I spoke about the child tax credit. And the president and vice president were sitting under the portrait of Franklin Roosevelt. And, you know, I, I just looked at that and I said, oh, my God. Franklin Roosevelt, with a stroke of a pen, lifted 90% of seniors out of poverty in this country. And we have the same opportunity, which is what I said to the president. We have the same opportunity. This is the New Deal. It really is. Uh, and you know, nothing like it we've been able to do in all these years. And the reason why it needs to be permanent, because we're not going to lift kids out of poverty in six months or a year and two years. It's just not going to happen. You know, so it's got to be there on a permanent basis. What we're doing is the day of awareness, and we're going to continue to do that. You know, we, we will continue to do all kinds of events, and as you pointed out, the White House as well. All righty, and a very passionate Congresswoman Rosa uh, DeLauro, who spoke yesterday to a group uh, loosely called the Cash War Room. These are uh, grassroots campaigners and non-governmental organizations who are supporting uh, not only the child tax credit, but of people uh, getting cash directly in their hands. And of of course, as uh, you just heard, starting July 15th, uh, you got kids, you got to get cash. So remember to claim your cash. If you have not filed income tax before because your income was too low, there is a special portal that was set up. By the way, uh, the cost of this program, about a trillion dollars. But um, if you're worried, well, uh, where will the money come from? Think of this. A single F-35 aircraft alone is projected to cost $1.7 trillion over its lifetime, almost the same as the entire 
entire American Rescue Plan, and uh, which is $1.8 uh, trillion. And the $14.7 billion for one aircraft carrier, or the nearly $10 million in weapons and hardware used against Black Lives Matter protests could start to fund a lot of what we need. The money is there, and I want to thank Payday Men's Network and Global Women's Strike for uh, finding that data on the contrasting costs there. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and we're going to continue to bring you information as we can on the child tax credit. If you want to find out more about it, how you can get it, uh, how you could get flyers and other publicity to share with your friends and family, go to the California Poor People's Campaign website. The California Poor People's Campaign website. There's also a portal there um, that uh, a link for portal that will give you other information in terms of COVID relief, unemployment, and a lot more. And so you could uh, also, of course, uh, go directly uh, to thewhitehouse.gov. Um, uh, Biden and Harris, they had asked for a day to get the word out on the child tax credit this past Monday, and they're consider continuing uh, to do that. We're also posting information on the Sojourner Truth website. So got kids, remember to claim your cash. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to now wrap our show up with our weekly Earth Watch. We want to thank the Global Justice Ecology Project. We partner with them for our weekly Earth Minute as well as our weekly Earth Watch. And I'd like to welcome Jason Davidson, Senior Food and Agriculture Campaigner at Friends of the Earth, supporting the Bee Action Campaign. Prior to joining Friends of the Earth, he interned at Climate Reality Project and served as a research assistant in the geography department at George Washington University. He holds a bachelor's in geography with a minor in geographic information systems and American studies from George Washington University. Friends of the Earth strives for a more healthy and just world. In the United States, Friends of the Earth fights to reclaim democratic control of our food system, publishes investigative reports that reveal industries, um, covert communication strategies, and disseminates the science that debunks big agricultural big ags, better known as myths. So Jason, you're doing quite a lot. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so Jason, on this, uh, help us to understand what is happening with this uh, Climate uh, Solutions Act. It, that is uh, on, on the World Oceans Day, which I think was June the 8th, was it? The House Natural Resources Committee uh, Chair, um, the, the Democrat out of Arizona, uh, Congressman uh, Grijalva reintroduced legislation about the ocean impacts on climate change and reforming federal ocean management to better account for climate mitigation. So is this the same um, uh, act, Growing Climate Solutions Act, that some environmentalists as well as some in big ag are supporting? It gets a little confusing. Just break that down for us, Jason. Sure, absolutely. So this is the bill that what it looks to do is facilitate farmer participation in what are called soil carbon markets. And so essentially 
this bill certifies third parties, whether that's big agribusinesses or others who can go to a farm, certify how much carbon that farm may have sequestered, and then sell that as an offset on a market. So in other words, these farmers, the carbon that they sequester would be used to say that polluters elsewhere are reducing their emissions without them actually reducing their practices or reducing their emissions. And so this bill is essentially putting the stamp of approval on those folks who would be certifying those offsets. Right. And is this, I mean, what is the the read from environmental activists on this? Is everyone on board with this? Because we know there's also a lot of worry about false solutions uh, to the environment. Where does this uh, piece of legislation sit within that whole debate? Absolutely. We're just one of more than 200 organizations opposing this. And certainly some of the biggest concerns are around environmental justice and sort of the, you know, how much these offsets could or would actually reduce emissions. And so from an environmental justice standpoint, one of the worst parts about offsets are that, you know, a lot of this pollution stems uh, from communities of color, from low-wealth communities. We see in California with the cap-and-trade system that more than half of the sources of pollution in the system come from predominantly communities of color. And so when you use offsets as a strategy to quote-unquote reduce emissions, you're doing so while leaving that pollution in the most vulnerable communities. And so certainly there's a long, long history of environmental justice communities and organizations opposing offset schemes. But also we know that these offsets aren't real, and there are a lot of problems with soil carbon and from measurement to permanence. For instance, you can measure carbon in the top layers of the soil, but if a couple years later someone else comes in and tells that soil, you lose all of it. And so, in essence, that offset would be completely negated and then emissions would actually be going up. And so there are a lot of problems both on the environmental side and the environmental justice side with supporting offsets. Right. And the thing is, uh, this this thing, because I've also been hearing increasingly more about the oceans as a place to uh, store carbon, also storing carbon in the soil. And one has to wonder about the environmental impacts on all of this. For example, we know that the U.S. military, with the um, kind of tests that they do, the booming that they do in the oceans, for example, very detrimental to life in, in the ocean. And so I'm wondering also what, in addition to the carbon offsets just being, in a way, a false solution here, um, are there environmental concerns about some of these proposals in terms of the impact it will have on the land itself, on, on those of us who are dependent on the land uh, to live and the trees to breathe? Uh, Jason Davidson. There are. And so there are a lot of practices that farmers can do that would help sequester carbon, but also have a lot of environmental benefits besides that. However, bills like the Growing Climate Solutions Act put the onus on the large agrochemical companies in a lot of instances to certify these credits or to show farmers how to sequester carbon. And their programs actually require, in a lot of cases, the use of certain proprietary seeds or even the use of their pesticides 
in order for them to say that you're sequestering carbon. And so entering these schemes and putting farmers under contracts with these companies to sequester carbon is actually going to entrench a lot of environmentally destructive practices rather than incentivize the practices that we know can do both. Right. So, and and for people who want to learn more about this uh, legislation, because as I said, that what has been put out on it, some of what I've read have been very much a, a mixed bag, and um, really kind of lauding it is something that environmentalists and agriculture are supporting. So, for people who want to really dig a bit deeper and find out what is going on, uh, what should they do, Jason Davidson? Absolutely. Encourage folks to visit our website at foe.org if they'd like to learn more. Right. Could you repeat that? Sure. That's foe.org. Right. And also, um, does that give uh, information generally about Friends of the Earth as well or only about this specific campaign? Our website should have information on all of our various campaigns as well as everything that we do around our food system and food and agriculture and everything on the Growing Climate Solutions Act. Right. Well, Jason Davidson, thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All righty. And that was uh, Earth Watch there on the Climate Solutions Act. You've got the website that you can go to to get more information. And that was Jason Davidson, Senior Food and Agriculture Campaigner at Friends of the Earth. And looking at the clock here, I'm afraid we have run out of time. Uh, today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank all of today's guests, as well as the Office of Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, champion of the child tax credit for allowing us to play um, audio of a presentation she gave uh, yesterday. And I'd like to thank our audio engineer, Kiana Williams, our assistant producer, Romero Funes. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. And y'all, remember, please, to stay safe.